Welcome to the process of things. Does stuff work? Well, listeners, I'm sorry. Ruth just made me delete the funniest thing that ever happened. Funny and highly inappropriate. (laughs) Put your sandwiches down. Put your pie down. Let's get ready to podcast. I am still giggling. Well, it's it's funny anyway because we've already done this episode once, but some kind of technical gremlin ate it. Technical difficulties. Difficulties (laughs) ate it. So I'm very sad about that. Yeah. It's never going to be as good the second time. Or is it? Yeah, because I went to the HRPA conference last week and I learned a lot of things that are very relevant to this Series 3B of the process of things. Welcome to the process of things. Does stuff work? This season on the podcast, we are talking about, um, we are in Season 3B. This is for managers. Help, I need help. Mm -hmm. And this very first episode is Help Me Help You. So how do you support your employees, your team, your staff to helping them get the career that they want? And is it your job? That's a very good question. I'm full of them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to sit back and lean back like you do, but I don't have as much length on my cord as you. A new setup here in the office today, people. I know. Our office is being broken down slowly. Mm -hmm. We're leaving our beautiful, beautiful view. Mm-hmm. But to all good things must come to an end and on to bigger and better things. Oh, yes. Oh, and, yes. oh by the way, I'm Ruth Henderson. Oh, I'm Nicole North. <laughs> Welcome. We are your hosts today, and we're slightly discombobulated as usual. So, as Nicole said, this is about, we talked in the first half of our series, 3A, we helped individuals figure out if they wanted a new job, and if so, how to find it, how to prepare for an interview, and what to do when they were all done, and they got it or they didn't. Yeah, and we even had this amazing bonus episode with Mm -hmm. our fabulous friend Jamie Johnson, Mm -hmm. um, who talked about her big career switch up, and what were her top tips. Mm -hmm. Top tips. Top tips. Top tips. Um, Tip top tips. (laughs) Uh, and so now we're ta- we're into series 3B, which is for the managers. And we're going to talk about how much you need to help other people with their career path. What is your job and what is a nice thing to do and what is not your job? And then we're going to talk about how you can find new talent and what you should be thinking about when you're looking for new talent. Uh, we're going to talk about how to really run a great interview. Because we talk about how to prepare for people that are taking the interview or being interviewed, but we don't often talk about how to ask great questions or listen well or whatever. Yeah, how to take notes so that yeah. you remember how to not just act on your gut and your like feeling yeah. about someone. And then the last thing in this season will be um, talking about um, what you do once you've hired someone. Great tips for onboarding for um, helping people feel welcome and engaged. So I learned lots of things on that in the last uh, conference I went to last week, the HRPA conference I mentioned. And then we'll probably have a bonus podcast as well with somebody who's really, really super good at that kind of thing. Yeah, I was thinking. I know what you're thinking. The most, the mist, my Mr. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. I Can t- we get him to talk more slowly if he comes on here? This is Nicole's <laughs> It'll be a husband challenge. who talks five million miles an hour. Yeah, but we're thinking of getting him from a manager's perspective to hear what it's like to kind of sit in. He sat in on a lot of interviews yeah. and what he listens for and looks for. Um, yeah. Well, I think let's he'll kick be it neat. off today then, talking let's, about... Let's kick it off. Let's kick it off. You know, 
um, we've talked a lot about managers and trying to really help people along. And I think that they still struggle with how much do I need to do and how much does the employee need to do? How should they own their career? Should they own their path? Well, look, listen, look and listen. Here's the, here's what you tend to see. Okay. As a manager, here's, here's what I remember. I remember either people being like super triple type A keeners Mm -hmm. and were just your star employee and you just knew that they were, they were working towards their next gig and they knew it. Right. And they just did all the right things. They knew what to do. They knew what to do. Like they didn't really need to ask you. They would say, can I take a leading role on this project? Because I'd like to get some experience. And you'd go, uh, yeah, absolutely. Part of it is because that's just who they are. Yeah. And part of it is because for some reason, either they've learned it or they just know it in their gut. They know what to do. They knew how to play the game. Yeah. So that's easy. So you might be helping those people. And those people are really tough because it's really hard to tell superstars when they do have flaws right. um, or things that they need to work on to prepare for that next interview. But for the most part, they should be kind of easy. They're kind mm-hmm. of a self-catering. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're kind of a self-catering individual. So that's great. And then you kind of have the people in the middle that, you know, they never, they never quite say they want the next job, but you know they sort of want it, but they're too shy to just be outright and say, I want to apply for this manager job that comes up. There's this tentativeness where they think, they know they're responsible for their own career, but they also expect you to yeah. bring them out. And then you've got your arm crossers. Yeah, it's your job. You're my boss. You yeah. should be looking after me and you, the organization should be designing a pathway to the stars for yeah. me. And it's like, I lean back and I go, oh, you never asked me to interview for that job. Mm-hmm. You never asked me if I was interested. You didn't tell me I should take that course or do that job shadow. This really like that, you know, you just imagine that person lean back in their chair with their arms crossed being like, mm, oh, I never get the promotions, but so-and-so always does. Mm-hmm. So-and-so is your superstar. And it's like, well, yeah, so-and-so has been doing a lot. Well, that's the thing. So let's talk about it from the, pers- the two perspectives, the questions that managers might have of how much should I do for this yeah. person and how much is their responsibility? So let's start with your super triple A keener. Yeah. Right? You know, smarty Sally, who she's, she's a great employee. Um, she's been taking on increasingly more difficult assignments. She offers to help. She does projects. She does all that sort of thing. She knows what she wants to do and where she wants to go. So what's your role as a manager in helping her get there? I think, Ruth, I'm going to go out on a limb here. Do it. And I'm going to say the approach for all three is one and the same. Okay. Really? Tell me. I think it's all one and the same. It's asking and coaching and asking open-ended questions to find out what people are interested in. You might make assumptions about your superstar, thinking that your superstar wants that next manager job. Meanwhile, they actually want to transfer to another area, and that's mm-hmm. why they're doing that, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, we, you know, we always make assumptions about all the people that work for us and what they do, and the first thing is to start having conversations. Yeah. Hey, so-and-so, superstar Sally, crisscross Chris and whoever that middle person was. Cranky Kevin. Cranky Kevin. 
right? Yeah. Whoever those three people are, it's the first mm-hmm. question is what what is interesting, you know, what what are you tracking towards in your career? Mm-hmm. What are your ambitions, your goals, you know, slash or or are you interested in staying in this career, which is also okay. Like mm-hmm. are you staying in this position and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. So I think for all three, the approach is the same is actually having open-ended questions and conversations with people to find out what they are really looking for. I think the I think you're right. I think the approach to the conversations is the same. I think it can go off the rails differently. Right? Yeah. So you can have like you say with Superstar Sally, um definitely have those the same conversations. She will probably answer and already have a plan A, B and C um to to go. What happens if you start spending more time with cranky Kevin or middle of the road Molly or whatever. And like you say, you're assuming that Sally's getting what she needs. Yeah. If you're having those good open-ended questions, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be there, right? You you Mm -hmm. shouldn't be giving, you shouldn't assume and start doing things for one person versus another. The approach ends up being just the same. Hey, what is it that you're looking for in your career over the next year, two years, three years, five years? Okay, let's assess your current skills. I would do a great, you know, our, our fabulous solution-focused better next mm-hmm. um, process of asking someone to rate themselves. How would you rate yourself on these skill sets? Why not, why not give yourself a 10? Why not give yourself a yeah, 5? So you're, those you're kinds talking of questions. to any one of those three, and yeah. you're saying, where would you like to be next? And if they have an idea then you start talking about what are the skills are, that are needed for that yeah. and let's assess you, have you assess yourself on, yeah. on your readiness to achieve those skills and what the gaps are and then talk about how do you fill in those gaps. But yeah. what about Cranky Kevin? Oh. He says, oh. He sits there with his arms crossed and he goes, you figure it out. You're my manager. The organization should have a career plan for me. You should be telling me where I should go next. You should be mapping this out for me. Well, and I might say... All right. I have a couple of ideas of what I think, mm-hmm. Kevin. You know, I think this could be an option. This could be an option or this can be op- an option. How do those sound to you? I would yeah. do it. You know, it might just take more time. Yeah, see, I wouldn't even do that with Cranky Kevin. Really? But yeah, I believe Cranky if, Kevin might make a turnaround. Well, I still think you have the conversation, but I, I don't think I would spoon feed him anything. I think I would say, all right, let's talk about, tell me about things that you've done in the past that you like, those sorts of things, because... If he cannot come up with the goal, yeah. then you cannot help him do the path. It's like yeah. it's like someone I know that I, I worked with once and trying to just offer these great suggestions, or thought I thought they were great, um, <laughs> on what he could do to achieve something else or move forward or do the next thing. And it was always, oh, I don't know, and I guess. And he never really did them. And it I learned too late or after the fact that, my ideas were based on where I thought he should go Fair because game. he could not say where he wanted to go and what he wanted to do. Fair and game. I really believe that there is a line in the sand that managers owe it to employees to help them once they figure out their goal, to help them achieve that goal, get fill in the gaps, learn how to move on, take on lateral assignments, whatever it is, to help them achieve their goal. But I believe that it's the employee's work to figure out their goal. 100%. Can I can I have um, a coaching or mentoring or even just a none of those, just a nice friendly chat with you and ask you questions to help you figure it out? Sure. But yep. yeah, no, I wouldn't. Ruth, you're a tough further. cookie and you're I right. I am. You are right. I, 
I, I jump to kind of solutioning, to be honest. Mm. But you're right. I think it does take a bit more a bit more questioning. So cranky Kevin just might take a bit more questioning. But you're right. And if he refuses, then he's going to stay well, that's there. His own. Yeah. I mean, it, the risk is if you don't appeal to cranky Kevin or get cranky Kevin engaged in either his current role or at least the thought of moving on to some other role, then you just have a disengaged employee who's yeah. probably not performing great. Great, yeah. or might be performing great, but is a, a little bit toxic to the rest of the team. Boy, I I think that the number of people who would almost refuse to come up with a goal are few and far between. That's that ten eighty ten rule. Yeah, where yeah, you yeah. have that handful that you just can't bring along. So you still need to have your conversations with them. You still need to ask questions. But if they refuse to talk about where they want to go, yeah. how can you help them get there? It's that you know my Yogi Berra quote. If you don't know where you're going, you might end up somewhere else. Good one. Right? Good one. Yeah. So it's that <clears throat> helping them figure that piece out. So they're the... the what are some top questions we might ask all of our candidates, cranky or not? Who know what they're doing or don't know what they're doing? I'm just, for somebody, for instance, who really... Let's say they're uh, middle of the road Molly... And good, solid performer just really doesn't know what they want to do next, but know that they're ready for a change. They want to do something, but I'm not sure what. I think a great question is, what have you done that you've really enjoyed? Whether it's inside work or outside of work, because outside of work stuff can also help you. You know, somebody could say anything from as varied as, you know, I volunteer at a senior's home and I do their taxes, which might help you recognize that that person is very detail-oriented, likes analysis, so that might give you an idea. Or it could be um, something like, I, I participate in community theater, and I really love that. Okay, you're creative. You know, what can we talk about in that area? Yeah. So it's what, what have you done in the past or are you doing currently that you love that brings you joy? Yeah. What projects have been really successful for you this mm -hmm. year? What, what things, like at the office that you worked on, yeah. did you feel went really, really well? When have you gotten great feedback on something? Whether it's, it could be anything. It could be a presentation. It could yeah. be a lunch and learn that you did. It could be a, a comment that you made in a meeting. Or like a one-off comment can get great feedback. And this is going to sound cheesy, but I'm going to say it anyways. Go ahead. You know, what one thing did you do this year, this quarter, this whatever, mm -hmm. that sparked joy? Like right. that really made you tick. Yeah. Yeah. It's that um, asking all those, probing those good questions and then saying, okay, now let's talk about what are opportunities out there that include those t same types of skills. Yeah, and if you, you might have some trouble with people answering those. Some people really struggle to um, talk about things that they were successful in, or maybe they do a job that's very rote and routine. Let's say you're working on a, I don't know, on a line. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, well, I screw bolt A onto bolt B every single day. So what was the best bolt that I ever... Yeah, but for them, it could be something like um, either one time I came up with a great idea to cut three seconds off the line, yeah, yeah, yeah. or one day I helped this new person who came on, and I kind of really liked that. Oh, all right, so that's leading towards some quality work, mm -hmm. or it's leading towards a supervisor position. Yeah. Or so similarly, you could ask... You know, they're not always the best, but you can also ask the negative questions. Like, mm -hmm. what tasks did you do yeah. that you hated? Well, you should ask both. Like, normally yeah. we don't, we try not to focus when people are dealing with change on the negative stuff. But when you're thinking about what you want to do, you also need to know what you don't want to do. 
Yeah. What didn't go well? What wasn't successful? Mm-hmm. What really challenged you this year? Every time what I made you uncomfortable. Yeah. Every time I do my expense claims, they get sent back because they're wrong. <laughs> That's me. That's you. Uh, right. So you would hate, you would never want to do numbers or anything like that because you hate it. Yeah. Uh, you know, when did you get feedback that something could have gone better? Did you my work? expense claims. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say somebody did and they said, yeah, but I worked on it and now I really like it now. So that's, it's discovery, right? Totally. It's about taking some time to ask some questions. Mm-hmm. Do not jump to conclusions that cranky Kevin, because of his crankiness, just wants to stay in his job forever. Yeah. Don't make assumptions that superstar Sally, you know, doesn't is, need anybody to talk to because she's got it all figured out. Yeah, or that she immediately wants a manager's position. Maybe yeah. that's not it at all. No. You know? Those are those are the things that we hope are have, happening during regular coaching conversations frequently. But at the very least, they should be twice a year. Very least. Very, mm. very least. <laughs> like, I, I That's think- a good question to ask. When should you be having these types of career-based conversations. Well, a lot of organizations have a performance process, a performance evaluation process Mm -hmm. that's annual. Uh, Many organizations are getting rid of those now uh, so that um, their performance is actually not even merit-based anymore or based on those performance reviews. There's a whole different process for it. So I believe that the very basic minimum is twice a year because people people can change during that time. Some organizations might say might say once a year, and you would talk about you know how did last year go, what went well, what didn't go well, um, you know, and what would you like to do going forward? And oh look, there's a place at the back. Let's put your performance and learning plan in here. Some people just hand that over to the other person, say you fill it in, and I'll sign off on whatever courses you want to take, which is barf, you know okay, great, I get to take courses, yet the manager has done nothing to help make sure that those courses are helping that person either get better in their current job or and or proceed on their path towards whatever this goal is. So if you've got a new team member, I would suggest this might be part of your onboarding conversation Absolutely. or one of your first kind of one-on-ones. If it's an existing employee, um, is it part of your weekly one-on-ones because if you're a really awesome manager you are having weekly one-on-ones even yes. if they're just 15 minutes yep. um, not that I think you'd want to talk about your career every week no but at the one objectives. of those the objectives or how yes. you're tracking towards mm-hmm. them especially if someone's particularly career focused mm-hmm. it might be something mm-hmm. that you might talk about and if not that then at your annual performance review or mm-hmm. learning and development review mm-hmm. And if not that, either the manager or the employee has to go in and take the initiative to make that happen. I believe that a manager should have a purposeful um, meeting set aside at whatever rate works for the organization, once a year, twice a year, once a month, whatever it is. But it should be, I'm going to talk to Nicole about her growth or goals, career goals. Mm. And... If you are really loving what you're doing, I'm going to support you doing that because I don't want you to move on just for the sake of it. I don't want you to feel you need to be promoted because everyone else is. No, No, we can promote people into failure that way. So if you're loving what you're doing, then I want to make sure that I can keep that enriched. I can offer you some other kind of challenge that's still related to your current role, Uh, whether it's 
um, adding special assignments or you helping to onboard other people or whatever that is, but it's your current role. So everyone should have a goal. That goal does not mean I have a goal of moving up the ladder. It just means I'm growing all the time. Yeah. So like, what does I that mean? I want to be better at project management. I want to be better at yeah. being detail-oriented. I want to work on, um, you know, being more precise. One of the things that I learned at the conference last week um, is what you just mentioned about new employees. And they talked about um, attracting and, you know, we often hear about attracting and retaining talent. But this one speaker put the word in between and said, attracting, engaging, and retaining. So you attract them and bring them on board. Now, how do you engage them? And one of those conversations was about goals. Right off the bat, somebody in the first few weeks of their job, like three weeks or less, what are your goals? What do you like doing? What do you want to do? And that's it's really hard. tough, especially when you're new in a company. How do you say what the goals are? I want to be CEO. Do you like, I want your job? It's a very um, self-reflective exercise. And I feel that a lot of people aren't really great at that. And so mm -hmm. I think the role of the manager is to help eke that, eke that information out. Cause Oh my gosh! How many lameo, oh yeah, goal setting exercises are there? I remember an organization we were in came out with like a coaching program, and it was basically just putting together goals for people, and it was mandatory, and people were confused on how it related to performance. It was so confusing. Yeah, I I have a um, a thought as well that might be a little I don't know different um, in that. I don't believe that career goals need to be the smart goal. You know how we talk about oh. performance goals that have to be, you know, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. I don't. I don't want people to think that's what your career goal should be, and that it should be measurable and all that. When when I'm talking about career goals, I'm talking about what do I like to do every day, and in a year, what does that look like, and in five years, what does that look like, and again, like we've said so so often in other podcasts. That can change, which is why once a year is kind of not enough to talk about it. Because maybe along that that time, I've run into someone else and I've thought, "Ooh, I kind of like that too," or I've uh, started working with someone who got me to read a book about something else, or whatever it is. That it's not this performance-based smart goal. It's a it's a thing. It's a it's a destination. It's a job. It's work. It's challenging and interesting stuff that makes us feel engaged. It's interesting. I, I'm thinking back now, I'm trying to reflect a little bit and think back when I was in the workforce, whether I could have or would have or did come up with any goals like this. And I can't, I can't say that yeah. I did or I knew. I mean, now that we're in business together, it's like something we do yeah. annually. We come up with what kind of goals we want to work on and things like that. I just... I'm in in reflecting back. I don't know if I was self-aware enough. I did. You will, but not. But that's no, you, Ruthie. No, not not deliberately. She's except stop it. I had a so from kindergarten <laughs> to eighth grade. I had a book that my mother kept with my picture, my height, my age, blah blah blah. And there was an envelope where she would put in like my report cards and special things that I did. Neat. And on it, you would write down what I want to be when I grow up. So I kind of did that back then. And I remember it was like teacher, 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 
airline stewardess, which we don't say anymore, <sighs> but I wanted to do that for a while because I wanted to travel. And then I think it ended up, um, uh, it w- was always back and forth between flight attendant, teacher, and nurse at one point, which is interesting because oh. I've never, I, I guess I do some teaching now. Um, but when I then went on into junior high and high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And even through university, I did not know what I wanted to do. I did an MBA. I still didn't know what I wanted Hello, to do. Hello, I have a degree in archaeology. Right? And I just, no one, if they asked me, I couldn't tell them what I wanted to do. I could only tell them what I didn't want to do. Oh. And it wasn't until, I'm going to say, I joined Service Ontario, which was in 2006. So I'm 41 wow. years old at that point. And... I'm thinking, okay, now I can start saying what I've done that I didn't enjoy, what I've done that I did enjoy, and how I want to apply that going forward. And then the the ultimate was when we built this business and we were able to say what we wanted to do. And even yeah. that took us a while. Yes, and that morphed a lot too. I, I guess you're right. I, the same for me. I think it was when I got yeah. to Service Ontario. Like I had known I'd always wanted to be a manager. I did not enjoy finance. I did really like HR, mm-hmm. um, did not enjoy finance that much anymore, but I wanted to do something more and more strategic. And then process and projects was just, right. I loved it. And managing people and coaching people to do like that were smarter than me and so much better mm-hmm. at data and analysis and process mapping and all those coaching those people to do that was just my dream. And then probably the first time I did a training session that went well, I must have just flown over the moon because well, then that's my would have perfect been place. So much easier if there had been a coach or a mentor or someone who had helped me articulate what I liked doing. Yeah. You know, who helped me understand you like process. I mean, come on, right from the beginning I liked process. I was fixing things immediately. You know, that I I wanted to make things efficient, that I liked yeah. neat things, that I liked speaking publicly. my life would have been completely different. I was doing things that I thought I had to do or that I should do. And so I think to do supposed to do. So I think that if managers can really help people think about it and think about what do you like to do? And you can't, I mean, with some people, I suppose you could use that phrase. If you could wave a magic wand, what would your job look like? I think you have to keep peeling that back. And with some people, the conversation will be easier. My sisters all wanted to be a nurse, a doctor, a teacher, and that's exactly what they are. I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So you need to be able to help people as a manager get to that line where they can say, at least in the next 12 months, this is what I want to do. Maybe not in five years and 10 years. And if you're even struggling, and one question I remember I asked a coaching client that was struggling and wanted to find a new career you know, we couldn't quite figure out what that career was, but I said, imagine yourself in your perfect career. Mm. Describe your office. Yes. Describe what you're doing. We Describe what you're looking at. We talked about that in, in our first at. one of the individuals. Yeah. Should I stay or should I go? Yeah. Describe your career is the same as describe your environment. What does it look like? Yeah. And it was through that description of the environment she determined, yes, I do want to be a manager, mm-hmm. but a manager in a place that has this culture or has this subject matter or deals with this. And that's what we were able to refine. Right. Otherwise it was just like, I just want another manager job. I just want to get out. Right. That, yeah. So again, these are other questions to ask 
um, your people. Like mm-hmm. if you're struggling and you're saying, what's your favorite thing to do? And you're getting like the like almost classic teenage response. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> right? I'm not yeah. really sure. I don't know. Well, you know. And again, there's only so much I believe a manager can and should do. In that case, they say, you know what? You need to be networking with people. You need to get out there and chat with people in other areas, other departments. Um, you know, I'm happy to set you up with a mentor. I'm happy to set you up on some job sharing, but you need to tell me. And so what's because the difference? Because again, the goal hasn't been set yet. And I think as a manager, you're helping only as much as you're wanted. Because if you're trying to push it, you're, you're not their parent. Mm-mm. You're not the boss. Well, I was going to say you're not the boss of them, but you are. But you're <laughs> not the boss of their career, right? They, no. they are. And once they finally go, Nicole, I want to be uh, a manager, but I'm really interested in compliance. And I don't know what it takes to get over there into compliance. Help me with that. Yeah. Then that's your job to help them get there and to assess their gaps and fill in those blanks so that they can move ahead in their career. That's a great question to start with next is then what's the difference between your role as a manager and, and a mentor? Um, a lot of people use those interchangeably that, that you coach and you mentor. Can. And you can. Your manager can be a great mentor. Yeah. A mentoring is usually used to refer to what we call the global behavior patterns that will help you in another job. So think transferable skills. Mentoring is usually helping you become a better presenter, write better business material, um, uh, understand strategy better, have a better grasp on an organizational budgeting process, um, network better. All of these high-level global skills that we call them versus the technical skills are what coaches do. And they would say, tell me how you think you did when you did this thing, when you took tab A and put it in slot B. How did that go? How long did it take? And how could that be better? That's a very technical, job-specific function. And that's what coaching is. It's in the moment. It's frequent. It's asking questions. It's providing guidance. Mentoring is long-term. It's looking in the future, and it's helping people um, develop all those other skills besides technical skills. Did you ever have a mentor? I did. I did, actually. Um, his name was Jim King, and it was at Ford. And there were two Jim Kings there. There was Big Jim King and Little Jim King. <laughs> and Little Jim King was my mentor for a while. And he uh, really helped me navigate the culture at Ford when I was only two years into my 15-year career there. It really helped me figure it out, understand what people were talking about in different things. He set me up on different committees and with different projects so that I would um, get to know different people in different areas. And uh, that made an enormous difference in my progress there, yeah. Neat. That was a big one. Um, Yeah, the whole idea of helping people develop their competencies uh, versus developing their global skills is a really neat idea. Because the thing is that a coach needs to be your direct supervisor, a coach at work. It, whether or a coach on a sports team, right? It's your direct supervisor. A mentor could be from a completely different team. Yeah. So you, excuse me, you could have a mentor um, in a different department entirely that you looked up to and you really like what they've achieved and what they've done. You could even have a mentor in sports, if you think about it, somebody else who helps you practice on the weekend, not your coach, somebody else's coach, somebody else who's achieved a lot. 
and they are mentoring you to help you um, figure out the bigger picture things that you need in order to yeah. move on. They can be mentors can be really great too if you don't have the best relationship with your direct manager or yep. the person who is yep. responsible for your career. Um, they might help help you figure out what to ask for. I know my my mentor was uh, Greg Guyberson, and uh, he really helped me figure out. You know, when something would go wrong, man, my manager would say something. He would say, "Okay, well, let's let's think about that. Let's talk about that. What does that mean? What can we do? What can you do? Yeah. You know, or if I had trouble with staff, I remember, and I couldn't necessarily go to my boss at that time and say, "I don't know what to do with these staff." Yeah. You know, he had great ideas for how to do that. And I, I can't emphasize how amazing that was, that experience to have someone yeah. who's not your boss, but someone that you can go to and ask tough questions or uncomfortable questions or say, I don't know how to do this and I need help. Because I think a lot of people are really afraid. I see this in the public service a lot, really afraid of admitting to their manager that they don't know how to do something. Mm-hmm. And so there's this like whole game they play where they pretend they know how to do it and it causes all this angst and problems when meanwhile all they have to do is say, I don't know how to do that. I need help. As long as they have that trusting relationship, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's the, well, this is what this whole section is about. It's um, employees need help. They need help of different kinds. Either they need help tactically in their current job. They need help planning what their future is going to be about. And specific to this series, we're talking about careers. They need help with their career. And so we called it Help Me Help You because the manager can't help you unless you know what you want to do. Yeah. Which is why I always come back to what do you want to do? And I'm happy to chat with you to help you figure it out. But at the end of the day, you have to figure it out. Yeah. There's resources for that if you can't figure it out. And then once you do figure it out, I need to be all over that. Yeah, and if you're struggling, some ideas are, there's probably 10 million and one quizzes online Mm -hmm. that can help you figure out what your career is. I am a huge fan of the MBTI, the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, which can help you figure out your personality strengths and Mm -hmm. what makes you thrive, what gives you energy, what, what does all of those things, what are you best at and comes naturally to you. I mean, ideally, doing a job that fits your personality perfectly is... Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> right? You know, yeah. you don't have to struggle to do a bunch of things that you're not good at. You just get to do what you're good at. Right. Um, and that's probably ideal. So any of those kinds of tools are also great um, if your manager isn't necessarily great at eking out those ideas from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. If you uh, are a manager and you're not sure how much work you should do to help somebody move along... Uh, think about where you are on that line that I said, the line in the sand. Do they know where they want to go yet? If they do, then you are you definitely owe them. It's your job to help them get there. Um, remember that old phrase, uh, what happens if you train and help people and they leave you? And the answer is, well, what happens if you don't train them and they stay? So your idea is your job is to build people up and make them the best that they can so that they can move on and continue to grow and be happy and make you and your team look good. So that is your role as a manager. Once they've said what their goal is, help them move on. Um, Do that by using open-ended questions. Consider all kinds of resources that are available to people. um, And document it, formalize it if you want to, through your performance management process or learning and development. But don't just do it once a year. Do it several times a year and check in. 
So how are you doing with that? How did that course go? Did it fill the gap that we thought it might? Um, what did you learn about it? What would you use to apply it? What do you think the next steps are? Constantly probing and prodding and getting them to think and plan for themselves so that they can move on. And I think that that help me help you is getting the employee to be able to articulate what they want to do next. And that's probably the hardest thing of this whole thing. Because once they know, it's pretty easy. As long as you don't just slough it off, you know, you, that, like I said, that person who just says, give me a list of courses you want to take and I'll sign off on it. Ugh. That's not genuine or helpful. Yeah. So that's yeah, that. That's that. It's just easy as pie. Easy. Just go do so it. It's so easy. Go do it, guys. Yeah. So next week we talk about how to fill the gaps in your team. You got holes in your yeah. gaps. If you did all the right the things, mm-hmm. um, you know, your people have started to move on and mm-hmm. develop those their skills and, and find other roles. And now you're going to need to bring mm-hmm. new people up. It should basically, if you're a really excellent manager, should be kind of a, yeah. a cycle of bringing people up to top performance, moving them out and, and bringing the next people up through the ranks, mm-hmm. right? That should create a really engaged workforce where people know there is opportunity to grow, get promoted and move on. Yeah. I'm going to talk as well about some of the things that I learned at the HRP, HRPA oh. conference last week on attracting top talent and what people Perfect. should be thinking about when they're doing that. So mm-hmm. until next time. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.